there is a school of thought that exists this day that imagines the Christmas story and all that surrounds it, that is, even the existence of a man named Jesus Christ is fakery. It's preposterous, given the amount of historical context that exists around the activities of Jesus Christ. There are historical documents that outnumber, well, most other history, particularly from that time. And it's not just the Gospels. You've heard me have J. Warner Wallace on this program. And he wrote a, uh, a, well, he's written a series of books. He was a cold case detective who sat out to uh, disprove Christianity because he was annoyed that his wife had become a Christian. So he set out to show this is nonsense. And his most recent book about which we chatted was called, it's called Person of Interest. And what he did is he removed the Gospels. He he decided to consider the apostles un. untrustworthy, bad witnesses, tossed it all out. And from that handicapped perspective, he set out to see, could I prove, first of all, that there was a guy named Jesus Christ? And could I then indicate that he went about and was at least considered by many to be the Messiah? Could I do that without the Gospels? And he did. And it eventually describes his conversion to the Christian faith because there was no other option. And that's based on historical documents, and you can read that book or go back and listen to the interview that we did with Jay Warner Wallace. I want to approach this from a different perspective. If you were setting out to fake a religion, what would be required? And how would you do a bad job of it? Because in my estimation, if you were going to do a bad job of faking a religion, you would start it with the Christmas story. It would be preposterous, utterly ridiculous. No one would believe it. SotaWeightLoss at SotaWeightLoss.com helps us do content like this. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live, and we are very close to the day that we celebrate the birth of the Savior of mankind. He wants to be your Savior if he's not yet, and if you haven't made that decision yet, he is calling you. If you've not yet come to the Lord, the reason that you're hearing this podcast is probably because God has called you to himself. It has nothing to do with me. Clay pot. Just stay up. Just an inanimate tool. Well, it's not true. Created in the image of God, all of us are. But if you're hearing this and you've been wondering if God is calling you, you have your answer. God calls people to himself. So there's a purpose for you being here. The Christmas story. If you were going to set out to fake a religion, and you were going to set out to fake a religion that contended that man has met now God in person. 
how would you do a bad job of it? Well, I think you would pick an also-ran family. In fact, not even an also-ran. Nobody's. I think you would just look around society and say, who doesn't matter to society? Well, a young, a young girl. Mary was probably 13 or 14. You would pick her. From a family that certainly fulfills messianic prophecy, well, that would be really difficult, though. How would you fake that? And from a father who wasn't really the father. It was a Jerry Springer of the times. Now the DNA tests. They're not, she's not, that's not the daddy. So you would take Joseph. If you were doing a bad job. You would take an unwed couple at a time in culture where the proper response, the response that was regarded as in line with Jewish law and was under very specific prescriptions, by the way, that Mary should have been stoned to death. After all, it would seem she had committed adultery. And so she and the man would be brought to justice. And a, they, they would be accused, would have to be accused by men who had never themselves committed adultery. And then they could be stoned to death. So if you were going to fake a religion, you're going to place all your bets on a teenage mom who is going to be considered an adulteress and a dad of few means, except that they've got a good line of lineage, got a good lineage, fulfilling prophecy, the Abrahamic promise, the promise made to King David that his lineage would always be on the throne, just promises like that. Now, you'd have to be pretty clever in this bad job to accidentally bump into the exact timing called out by Daniel. Um, hundreds and hundreds of years before this birth. So maybe you just back back into that. Maybe in your incompetence, a chaotic outcome occurs and the mother's lineage and the earthly father's lineage match up. The, the timeline matches up almost to a T, if not to a T. But you might also put some extra work into things. If you're going to fake a faith, there'd be some other things that I, I think you would probably want to do if you wanted your fake religion to be accepted by others. Because I think you'd be making a misstep. If you started with this handicapped position and you started with this suspicion and derision, this uphill battle, wouldn't that be stupid? Such a horrible way to fake a religion. But then this, the next step, doesn't make any sense. 
if you were going to fake a religion. I am continuing, and maybe you are as well, as to asking myself how much is real. Uh, how much of what we see about our country is real, and and how how long have the lies persisted? You know, we talk about the COVID lies, which are so preeminent and such a gift from God to show us truly how dishonest these people are, and and how much I feel like they hate us, and incidentally, how lost to evil so many of them are. They're spiritual captives. And as I look at our monetary system, and I'm watching Sam Bakeman freed. Wow, he's arrested just before he could testify to Congress. Then the DOJ arrests him just right before he's about to go under oath in public. And I'm wondering how much of this is real. Well, there's this thing that I learned in therapy about 10 years ago. For me, maybe this isn't right for you, but it is for me. Um, if you can't change a thing, don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. My therapist used to bug me because I'd get really, really anxious in, in traffic lights. And she'd say, if you're going to write letters to the city council and go to meetings and try to get the traffic lights changed, be, 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 go, go, go at it. But if you're really not going to, Todd, for your mental health, you need to let that go. You need to get out of your head. We can't change your financial system. Well, incrementally, through voting in godly people who seek to serve and not be served, yes, incrementally we can do that. But on our own, we must recognize that which exists. Yes, I'm a big believer in land because it's real. Zach Abraham is a big believer in math, right? He's often told us physics wins. When ideology matches up with physics, physics wins. He's the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management. Funny thing, Zach has been saying physics is going to win. You know what? Members of the European Union are starting to back out of the ESG score. Why? Because physics is winning. They're realizing that all of their hubris and considering themselves gods doesn't change physics. So-called green energy ain't ready, probably won't be for decades. Zach has been telling us about this. The 0% interest rate loans, the mobbed-up nature of our financial system, all stuff Zach has warned us about as he has begged us to get into the risk management profile. That's his obsession. As he stewards our money, it's risk management in the chaos economy. Find out if your life's energy stored in your retirement plan can withstand the chaos economy. Call Bork Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given under the client service agreement. Bork Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Tech Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. So if you're going to do a bad job of faking a faith, you start with your faith behind the eight ball, so to speak, in a cliche. You have a teen mother, uh, which at the time was not that odd, but she's a nobody. And the earthly father is a nobody. And then you ask people to believe. Uh, This baby was not conceived in the normal way. The Lord, this this is God's begotten son. God placed this child into the body of Mary. She never had known, to speak biblically, had never known a man. And would not know a man until the Lord Jesus was born. Would not be, would not have sexual relations with a man until that baby was born. You would ask people to believe that. From the very onset, 
you're setting out a path where most people are going to go, preposterous, you're lying. Mary's a, Mary's, Mary's a cheater. She's an adulteress. She's a whore. God forgive me. But that would be the view. But then you go further. When this child is born, you would have this child born in a barn next to farm animals. Now, you and I can look at this in this romantic sense because we all have the, the uh, you know, little caricatures of this that we put up on our house, the nativity scenes. Well, not all of us, but most of us. I remember mine from when I was young. I can still remember how the fence went together. Ours was plastic. And I can still, well, not the, not the items, not the, uh, not the, the figures. The figures were, um, uh, were clay. But the house and the fence, those things were plastic. A ceramic was the figures. And I can remember them to this day, the holes in the bottom of them. And we used to hide things inside them, little gifts, little tiny little pieces of candy and such. I remember what the, uh, there was snow. We always said, well, there, wait, there, wait I, there's snow? Well, romantic, right? But at that time, people who spent their time caring for animals and, you know, and husbanding animals, that, that was dirty work and you would become ritually unclean in doing that. So that was viewed that way. Wow, you've been around the animals, you've been feeding the animals. Hey, you, you know, you need to take some time off from going into the temple. It's probably the synagogue. So you would do that. But certainly you'd want to match this up with something to indicate that, that this was the child of God. So you would then, being a bad faker, setting all this stuff up, you would then once again back into and accidentally stumble over prophecy by having the right timing where you have this very unique star above the sky, a star that's moving. And you would somehow back into that accidentally. So even as you're doing this bad job, oh, look, it's so lucky that there's this. But you would also do this at a time where in two years' time, wise men would come seeking the birth of this child because it had so lined up with prophecy that they all saw this, that they read Isaiah 43, that they read Daniel, that they read the Psalms, and they went through and counted what, if you want to be, if you want to be very, very open about it, is up to 351 prophecies fulfilled by the Lord Jesus. If you want to be more conservative about it, you can get it down to 70 to 80 key prophecies that are testable in terms of time and specificity. Well, you'd back into that. Oh, and then, if you're going to fake a faith... Wouldn't you try to get some influencers? I mean, think about what we do in, in modern marketing. I'm told this all the time. I have a, I have a dear, dear brother of mine uh, whom, whom I love, and he's a, he is just a great support, great friend. And he's always saying to me, you should, go, uh, you should go be on Tim, what's his name, Tim Cast. I don't mean to say what's his name. He's massive audience, massive audience, Tim Cast. I just can't remember his name right now. You should go be, and I said, well, no, I've not been invited. <laughs> he said, well, you should reach out. I said, I'm nobody. Why would Tim Cast want to have me on his podcast? I'm nobody. But if I was asked, I would go. Well, but it would help grow the audience. Oh, indeed it would. 
And if, in fact, next week I get to fill in for Clay and Buck, which is the plan right now, just hope we find the studio to do that in. Well, of course, it's going to be a great opportunity to promote the podcast. And thank you, thank you, thank you, iHeart. And thank you, thank you, Craig. And thank you, Clay and Buck, for the opportunity. And I hope we get the the, uh, the studio so we get to do it. Yeah, I'm doing it because it's fun. Because the guys, Craig, have asked me to do it. And yeah, I'll get an opportunity to promote this podcast. But God gets to decide who hears this. I put very little effort into promoting it. Because I trust God. The Radio America thing, you better believe that's a huge deal. Right? But it's influencers. What do I mean? Well, Radio America is a multiplier. They've got radio stations all around the country. We've got a national radio show on the weekends. And so that's an opportunity to avail people of the knowledge of the podcast. It's influencers. It's marketing. If I were to go on TimCast, and just forgive me for not remembering the gentleman's name, I, I, I think his work is fantastic. Or, you know, I'll never be on Joe Rogan, but if that happened, you better believe the podcast would blow up. So we'd be seeking these influencers. You'd get this what's called implied credibility. Right? That's what you do. Why did these people do such a bad job of that? They didn't go reach influencers. Here they are, supposedly faking a faith. And as they're faking this faith, they don't go to any of the powerful people and try to convince them? How on earth would this work? You think of the launch of the um, intelligence service adjunct, the, uh, the PSYOP Twitter. You think of the intelligence op called Facebook and, and that PSYOP. You remember how often you hear media figures say, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. That wasn't by accident. They were seeking to have influencers. They chased down stars and, and, and paid them to have Twitter accounts and, and Facebook accounts. And they put money in front of them and influence and we're going to promote and you'll get and you'll get and YouTube did that too. Once they went past the phase of user-generated content, you better believe they went and wagged around money in front of stars. Do your music premiere here at Amazon. Hey, we'll bring the NFL. We'll, we'll have the NFL on our pages as we're launching our live video service. What did these people do who were supposedly faking this, this religion? They went to stinking shepherds. They went to people who were considered so ritually unclean that they couldn't enter the synagogue for weeks at a time. And remember, the construct of the time was that was where you worshipped God, in the synagogue. Other than that, you were just carrying out the law. That was the time. So they went to the dregs of society to launch a fake religion that was built on the backs of a woman many would contend was an adulteress and a man who had little to no means. In fact, in fact, he just disappeared from the Christmas story. He's there. And then Joseph, the earthly father of the Lord Jesus, is gone. Well, he fathered some kids with Mary, we're told, and then he's gone. 
And tradition holds that he died young. Or was so inconsequential that he's not mentioned? Well, that doesn't seem very likely since the Lord Jesus taught that you'd respect your mother and your father. Because that's biblical. And that way you enjoy a long life. So then the father's gone. Now it's a single mother who is considered an adulteress of a baby born with stinking animals in a stinky barn. And the first people who are witness to this are the dregs of society so ritually unclean that they're not even allowed. You could think of it this way. They're so disgusting they can't come into church. That's a terrible way to fake a faith. But once again, once again, they they just backed into luck. All this stupidity, all this stupidity, all this fakery, and they once again, they just back into luck. What are the odds? You think of the 350, if you want to be very generous in terms of the prophecies, or you could view it as complete. From Genesis 3, verse 15, predicted that be born of a seed of a woman that is a virgin birth. And the seed of Abraham will bless all nations. Genesis 12, 3. It's all throughout the Bible, all of these fulfillments. On the bags of a bone frog coffee, it says, God, country, team. And I've talked to Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO of of bone frog he's a 25 year navy veteran he's a navy seal i've talked to him about team because when he was a seal team meant something very specific it meant the people that you knew 100 percent. you're shot in both legs both femurs are broken you got a lung popped and you weigh 215 pounds you better believe your buddy's going to carry you out absolutely it's down to you and you got a couple of guns and there's 50 Taliban headed at you? Well, wait a minute. If they get through you, they're getting to your brothers. Yeah, you're going to stop them. And if it costs you your life, so be it. That's team. I got to get him on some time to tell SEAL stories. He told me about a guy who fell out of a helicopter because uh, it was attacked, dropped to the ground, popped up in shooting position, and took on 200 Taliban. And, and they couldn't yet get the helicopter landed. They had to watch as this guy defended himself. Team meant that. You know what it means now? Hiring vets. Working with companies that hire vets. Getting in Dave Stewart, who's a legend. You could think of him as the you know 15-star general of coffee. He started Seattle's best coffee. He's been a legend in this for about, about 50 years. And he doesn't just make roasts for Bone Frog, which he does. He also advises Tim. He mentors the Bone Frog coffee people. There's two new blends. Great way to start. If you are a fan of decaf, Zen Frog is now decaf using the Swiss water process, meaning none of the gross chemicals that are normally used to take the caffeine out of coffee. So the Swiss water process, Zen Frog is now decaf. And then the Door Kicker brand. This is the most caffeinated of the products that they have, but it's still the great taste. It's still, well, the richest coffee I've ever had. I can't imagine ever going back to the things I used to do. And then, of course, all the classic roasts still exist. Yes, it's in K-Cup. Yes, it's in espresso. Yes, it's in drip. If you haven't tried it yet, 
Make Christmas time when you give yourself the gift of Bonefrog from Bonefrog.us. If you have tried it and not yet subscribed, why wait? 10% of the, the, the proceeds go to support the families of fallen Navy SEALs. If you, so if you've tried it, you loved it, subscribed. And if you've subscribed, if you bought merchandise or given this as a gift to friends, there's still time to do that. You can just email them. Hey, got you some Bonefrog. It's bonefrog.us. So they backed into this luck. So these stupid people faking this religion based upon all these shaky foundations, all the suspicion, putting this all behind this, this veil of, of, of ludicrous um, notoriety or ludicrous levels of notoriety and, and, um, and doubtability. Then somehow, once again, they back into this, this position where two years after the birth of this child, Wise men called the Magi who had been tracking prophecy because it's knowable. You can go through and it's this is in the show notes, these 351 Old Testament prophecies. So is the timeline of the birth of Jesus. This was all knowable. It was all predicted by multiple prophets, most notably Daniel and Isaiah in very specific timelines that would be so difficult to fake. So they backed into this luck. And they were so lucky at this time that these magi, two years after or so, after the birth of the Lord Jesus, came to visit him. Based on what? Well, the luck of the prophecy. But don't you think, when they got there, and they came and they saw, this is where the star was. This is where the child was. Where is this child? Now, how were they able to do that? Like two years later, how were they able to come and say, hey, where's that one baby? Wait, the one baby? There's tens of thousands of babies. Which one? The one that people think is the son of God. Oh, that one. Oh, that's Mary and Joseph. Wait a minute. People believe this? Based upon the words of stinking shepherds? People believe this to that time. Now, perhaps... As, as the Magi arrived and were looking for this child, perhaps people said, oh, my gosh. Oh, we get this all the time. I remember when I was in New York, and it was the first time I was there. And I promised myself I would make time to go to the Dakota where John Lennon was shot because I grew up a huge Beatles fan. I still to this day love their music. I have a much more realistic view of who they are as people and who they were. But I had to go see where John Lennon was shot. As I also knew that that was across the street from Strawberry Fields, which is an emblem uh, that celebrates Lennon and his music across the street from where, where, the, where, where Lennon was shot. And so I walked up to, sorry, I, I, what did I do? I think I took a cab up this. No, I took a train up to Central Park. I popped out and I was walking around. Then I had a general sense of where it was, but I didn't want a map. I wanted to walk. I had a general sense of, okay, it's going to be on this side of the street. I can tell this by the pictures. And, and I walked and I saw the building. But they've removed the sign that said the Dakota. And so I'm walking up and I cross the street and there's the doorman. And I walk up and say, hi, is this? He goes, yes, it is. I go, well, let me finish. Is this the Dakota? Yes, sir, it is. Is this where? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Leave us alone. I mean, he didn't say leave us alone, but he wanted me out of his face. He's so sick of people coming up and saying, is this where John Lennon was murdered? And he very dismissively said, yes, 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 it is. Yes, it is. 
Do you know where Starbright? Fe- yes, yes. Points across the street, and all. Now I should have just tipped him. I should have walked up with you know twenty bucks, and hey, man, I, he points across over there. It's over there, and he just wants me gone. And so yeah, I went across the street, and I went into the park, and I found Strawberry Fields. Imagine the people now encountering the Magi. Oh my gosh! Oh, we get this all the time. It's oh, they're over there. They're over there. They're over there. They don't live in a barn anymore. They, they've got an apartment over there. Or, hey, pay me and I'll tell you. And they maybe don't believe. But when they got there and said, wait a minute, it was shepherds? So somehow they back into this lock. Now, in the same time as this fakery is occurring and you're going to build this faith, certainly what you're going to do is have that child be part of a group of kids that are going to, that that Herod, one of the most vile, despicable mass murderers in history, is going to come and kill all the kids two years and younger. That's really, that's the plan. Is you're going to expose the child to that danger. But, oh, they didn't know. They were faking. And here again, they back into this luck. For some reason, at that time, just as Herod's getting ready to do this, they decide, hey, you know what? Let's pick up and leave and go to Egypt. Let's, let's do that. And, of course, the scripture tells us an angel came to them and said, take the child and leave to Egypt because Herod intends to kill all the kids. And Herod, and there's the people say, well, there's no sign that Herod ever did that. There isn't. There's contemporaneous writings about what Herod was. He killed his own sons. So afraid that they were going to steal his kingship, he killed his own kids. And they make this narrow escape. Once again, the buffoons who picked the wrong couple, always under suspicion, had the child born in the wrong place, told exactly the wrong people. If you want influence, don't tell them. Once again, they back into this incredible luck and they flee for Egypt just in time to avoid the killing fields and the mass murder of children. Because stupid luck, right? Incompetence and chaos saved once again by stupid luck. Got it. But now, now they run out of steam. Now the scheme, they're just out of steam. It's funny to see Mike Lindell back on Twitter. (laughs) He was on with Steve Bannon uh, on The War Room uh, this past weekend. And they were talking about being restored to Twitter and what that means. And I love the fact that Mike just came right back with the exact thing that got him banned. He believes the 2020 election was stolen. I, I know it was rigged. I believe it was stolen. In Mike's mind, he knows it was stolen. So he comes right back with a message very, very similar to that. Melt down the voting machines and make them in the prison bars. And this is the success in life. It is the resilience. Resilience is a very godly thing. It is. The Lord Jesus showed the ultimate resilience. Tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. He showed the ultimate resilience. And we only have resilience because of God Almighty. And Mike was just about out of resilience. He was a drunk. He was a drug user. Uh, He always worked hard. 
but couldn't make ends meet because how could he? All the money was going to the substances. He was almost out of resilience. And then God spoke into his heart. Do you want to be healed? And if so, are you going to walk with me? He found his work. His work is helping people sleep. He's been financially very well rewarded for that. No doubt. He's become famous or in some circles infamous. But the resilience is still there. Um, As they're trying to shut him down and the FBI is stealing his cell phones and no doubt tracking him around and trying to ruin him in all ways it can. Isn't it fascinating they can't get any real dirt on him? Isn't that weird? They can't get any real dirt on him. He quadruples down with now towels made in America with United States cotton made in small town Minnesota. And the towels are luxurious. They're large. They're absorbent. They're the softest I've ever had. They're the most absorbent I've ever had. You get this in a six-piece set. So they, you get two towels. I say they qualify as beach towels, but we can't say that. That's just me. They're huge. Two hand towels and a washcloth two-pack. And here's what you do. You go to MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use my name, Herman, for the promo code. You're going to get this for more than 50% off. Usually $89.98, now just $39.98. You also get deep discounts on all my pillow products. That's shop MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. So it all runs out of steam. Here they were, they made it past this, this, this stupid start, wrong couple, wrong time, wrong place to be born, wrong first witnesses, they back into the luck of the Magi, they back into the luck of the timing with the star, they back into the luck, seeing thousands of the, or not thousands, but up to a thousand years in advance, well, Genesis described the sort of birth that would occur and what it would be, so you could say thousands of years, Daniel and Isaiah, closer to that, they back into this luck. They somehow back into, hey, let's flee for Egypt. They get that. But now it just runs out of steam. Just goes dark. There's 30 years of silence. No, no miracles. It's like that. Whatever happened to that, uh, that Ricky Martin singer? Wasn't there a guy named Ricky Martin had big hits? Was, wasn't there a Japanese band called Loudness? Weren't they really good? Hey, didn't the guy who started Quiet Riot, didn't he start another band? Do that? Wasn't there a spinoff from Happy Days called Joni and Chachi? How'd that show do? Didn't, wait, Potsy had a show too, did it? There was a spinoff from The Love Boat. There was Hello Larry. That was a kind of not really a MASH spinoff, but how'd that do? Where'd that Jesus guy go? Wasn't he supposed to be God with us? Huh. Sort of a letdown because it was all so well done. What with the virgin birth. They ran out of steam. Stupid, terrible way to fake a faith. But then it all began. See, now they got it figured out. Now they said, hey, you know what? Here's how we screwed this thing up. We didn't go 
back to the powerful people. We didn't go seek influence. We didn't. Why were, hey, wait, why didn't we brand this thing? Why weren't we charging subscriptions to come and meet this kid? We should have had him writing scrolls. We could sell the scrolls. He amazed people when he taught in the temple. He was a little kid. Remember, remember he went and taught in the temple and he amazed people? We could take him on tour. Imagine the shekels we could add. We take him on tour. We could have signs, like make these, you know, big, we could have a, maybe a castle. Oh, wait. He could go be a soothsayer to the powerful. That way we could borrow influence. We could have implied credibility. That's the way to go. Let's, let's bring this back. I think I've told you before about the meeting with Aerosmith that Sony Records had. And no, I'm not comparing Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry to the Lord Jesus. Not in any way. At least Steve, at least Joe Perry's a conservative. Uh, but th- there was the meeting. It was, and Stephen Tyler told the story. He was living in a one room, he was living in a studio apartment in Times Square back when Times Square was gross and got a phone call. It's from Sony Records. Hey, we want to put the band back together. Come and have a meeting. Uh, Stephen Tyler's down to his last bits of money. He's still a drug addict. You know, he's that guy who's going to be signing Steven Tyler pictures in Holiday Inns around the country. Even with their publishing rights and their songs are still on the radio. Still making a bunch of money every year, but he's sucking it up his beak and shooting it into his, his, his veins. So it wasn't even a long walk, really. His Sony Records at the time, as I recall, in New York was in Times Square. So you just go right across the street. And there's the band, and, and I don't remember if all the band members were there. I think it was just the principals, that is Stephen and Joe, because kind of, you know, with all due respect to Bradley Whitford and Tom Hamilton, um, and who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, Joe Perry. I'm forgetting a person. Oh, gosh, help me. Get old. So they took the meeting, and Sony Records said, we, we noticed that your songs are still doing really well. We've noticed on YouTube and, and, and digital that lots of people are downloading your songs. You're highly searched for. So there's still a great big audience for the band. So we're going to put the band back together. And, and here's the deal. Um, you're going to get off drugs. Like We'll give you an advance. We'll go purchase your old rights. We'll get into the Aerosmith business big time. But here's the deal. You are going to remain clean, and we are going to drug test you. Because it's not going to be like the olden days. Tom Hamilton. There it is. Tom Hamilton's an important member of the band. He's saying all those high harmonies. Like if you listen to Sick as a Dog or Sweet Emotion, a lot of that's Tom Hamilton layered on top of Tom Hamilton, the bass player. Sorry, Mr. Hamilton. And so they have this meeting. And, you know, Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry listen to this and, okay, all right. So we got to clean up. No cocaine. No, yep, no, nothing. Nothing, guys. We're going to put you on tour buses and tour planes. You do the show. You go back room. We drug test you. Next day, we drug test you. You're not going to be drug addicts or you're done. And we're going to scrape a bunch of money. We're going to claw it all back from you. And, oh, by the way, you're not going to get to write your own songs. What? We've always written our own songs. Nope. Nope. This has to launch with absolutely guaranteed hits. So Desmond Child and some other people are going to come in. Desmond Child? What? He writes teeny bop songs. Yeah, that's some of the stuff he does. And everything he writes is a hit. So he's going to write for you, and it's going to be Aerosmith style. And later on, maybe you can go back to writing some of your own songs. But if you want our money, 
and you want to dig yourself out of the debt that your fleshly, sinly, they didn't say it that way at Sony Records, that your flesh desire has caused you to be in, that you want our money, then you play by our rules. So they did, and now you know the rest of the story. And the band came back, and it, they, they're huge, and hopefully have dug themselves out of debt and have stayed off drugs. In fact, I've heard the guys say that that probably saved their life. So the band's reborn. And all of a sudden, you get songs like Dude Looks Like a Lady, and it's, it sounds like Aerosmith, unless you're really paying attention. 30 years later, Jesus went to the Sony Records of the time. He went to the most powerful men in religion. He went to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Sanhedrin. And he said, hey, listen, I know I've kind of bunged up my career as a Messiah type and learned a lot. And I could really use a hand up. So what do you say? Maybe you let me do some speaking in some of the synagogues and little writing, use my name. I was, remember I was born in a barn by a mother that you think to this day is an adulteress and a father that's unmentioned. And remember that, that's, I still have a name, still draw a crowd. And that's not what he did. He made all the same mistakes. He went to fishermen. He went to nobody's. Idiotic. He went to a tax collector. He went to a woman who had been inhabited by demons. A woman. And some of the tradition says that Mary was at a time a prostitute. That's tradition. It's not said in the Bible as I understand it. Oh, and he had women followers with men and they weren't even credentialed he, he didn't even have a senior rabbi the lord jesus they, 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 when they asked him well, who taught you who was your rabbi uh well i kind of self-taught by my father in heaven well all these words you worship, I wrote those. But he made all the same mistakes again. And somehow it worked. Then, of course, the biggest mistake of all, the band was back together. They're selling out stadiums. And hits, all the kids knew their names. And then he gets himself murdered. Just allows himself to be killed. Could have fled. Knew it was coming. And so did the prophecies. Right down to the timing. And the method. And the price that we'd be paid for him. Yeah, 30 pieces of silver. It's prophecy. The way he died, prophecy. The other people had their bones broken, which was common at the time, not the Lord Jesus, because 
prophecy. There again, they backed into stupid luck. And the Romans just played along right down to gambling for his clothes. Oh, but that's just the gospel writers. They're just filling it in later. Mm -mm. Somehow or another, they bribed Josephus, who was a Roman historian writing at the time this all happened. They somehow backed into bribing him to write about this. People from far lands who were there on that day where the Lord Jesus died, they went and said, oh my goodness, the sun was blacked out when this man died. They said he was the son of God and the earth shook. And they went home and told people, you will not believe what just happened to me. So they backed into the luck of an eclipse and an earthquake. Gotcha. In an Easter, we'll pick up the story, the preposterousness. But let's imagine it's something else, that it's not a fake religion because it's not. Why did he go to the powerless, starting with Mary? Crawford Loretz is one of the greatest Bible teachers of our era, in my judgment. Uh, every time I listen to him, I learn something every single time. It's either I learn something straight from the Bible because he's a Bible teacher or an insight that he offers that floors me. The Lord Jesus demonstrated so many things in the way he was born. Namely, this. As I said the other day, he could have just made himself appear during the Festival of Tents on the biggest night, on the biggest stage, 18 feet tall, standing with Moses and Abraham and said, Hi, I'm the God of Israel. How you doing? Worship me. He didn't. Want to know why? Crawford Loretz. He demonstrated from the very moment of his birth, in fact, from his conception or creation in the womb of Mary, if you like it better that way, that this is a faith for everybody. Everybody who will accept him. Everybody who can accept him. As difficult as the tale is for some to believe. It's for everybody, even the stinking podcasters and firemen and house framers, postal workers, guys in the oil rigs, men and women, even the stinking politicians, tax collectors, even you. Even me. Had the Lord Jesus gone to the powerful, well, it would have been a faith for the powerful. He would have been a savior for the powerful. And you know what they would have done with it? They would have built fences around it. 
they never got that chance. And they still don't have that chance. So if you were going to fake a religion, oh boy, what a terrible way to do it. The 351 Old Testament prophecies are in the show notes, as is a timeline of the birth of the Lord Jesus. And again, you didn't hear this show on accident. If you haven't yet made a decision to make Christ your personal Savior, there is never a time like now. Simply ask him, confess in him, ask him to be your Savior, tell him you confess, and then begin your path. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and have a merry, merry Christmas.